DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's time to welcome in our basketball insider. Steve, how are you? I'm doing good. The question of the morning. Well, we have many questions. But let's start off with the uh, the question that uh, PK and I have been debating here. This is the time where, uh, you know, the body clock says we should be down to the Sweet 16. And the question is, would BYU or Utah State have been in? And I'm of the opinion that there are probably 40 maybe even 45 teams that can ask themselves that because this looked like it was going to be a wide-open tournament. There have been a lot of tournaments lately where the NCAA has, selection committee has really nailed it. And, like, you, you look at the seeding and 12, 13, 14 teams are doing what they're supposed to do at the top of the brackets. But this year seemed wide open. The, the two and three seeds seem vulnerable, even the one seeds. We've seen how the number one ranking's been passed around. How wide open do you think the first week of that tournament was going to be for the Aggies and the Cougars? Well, I think the anticipation for all of us was that we couldn't wait for it to start because there were so many unknowns. And it seemed like there were mid-major programs that uh, were seated quite low. I mean, we got it high. And so you knew that they were going to be in situations where they could be playing third and fourth place teams from uh, P5 program, you know, P5 leagues and stuff. And so I think we all kind of felt like the way Utah State and BYU and other teams were playing, that uh, there was going to be some great opportunities. And you know, and you and I, all of us have seen all the projections and and who was going to be where and how this thing can play out. Uh, and it 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 seemed very real, very plausible. Uh, and felt like this was probably going to be one of the most exciting NC2A tournaments that's been around in a long time, especially for kind of the underdog guy. We, I mean, there's been upsets. Every, there's always upsets. But never was there a path that seemed so clear to, to getting to the second weekend. Steve, I want to ask you about these seniors getting another year back in basketball. I don't see where how it's practical because you have a number of guys, whether they be high school freshmen coming in, that were basing their decision on guys leaving. You have grad transfers. You have redshirt guys, maybe not grad transfers, but redshirt guys, junior college guys, who've made their decisions based on what they anticipated the roster being. What's your take as far as giving these seniors their eligibility back for winter sports? I've got no problem for spring sports because those things, they didn't really get an opportunity but most of the teams had an opportunity to compete a full season or close to a full season in winter sports so i'm not sure that really works uh i, I don't i don't think it's going to work uh i mean hey if i'm a coach or a player or as a fan yeah i want that i mean everybody wants that but when you start thinking of a lot of adjustments are going to have to be made in terms of scholarships and commitments unless the nc2a is is going to make significant changes in terms of scholarships that can be offered you know for for large schools that have a lot of money it's not an issue but if all of a sudden you've signed and take a mid-major or even a, 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 a school that hasn't had a lot of success is trying to rebuilding and uh, they've got they've signed seven or eight people and all of a sudden you know they don't have the ability to do that they, that turnaround can't take place because they can't bring people in from out of town I mean it's fine if it's a walk-on somebody that lives within near the community that they can drive. But a lot of the people that you're going to bring into your program, you're going to put on an airplane. And then they need that support. So I think logistically, it just doesn't seem plausible, to be honest with you, that you could keep the seniors. I mean, we all want to do that. And I think a, a lot, I mean, there's a lot of programs that don't want to bring their seniors back. <laughs> okay? I mean, they want a fresh start. They want to, you know, there were 50 or 60 or 70 really good teams that all have, 
compelling stories, but there's a lot of programs that want to move on. I want to get the new people in here and, uh, and, and get a fresh start. So I, I just, I just, I don't get it. I understand talking about it. It's fun to can imagine what they could do and where they could be. And when we're talking about two local teams that we're all very familiar with, uh, yeah, I, I get wanting that. I mean, if you ask me, hey, would you like that? I'd say absolutely. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't. And I was even a little bit surprised they brought the spring sports back. But it, uh, it, it takes a lot less money and time and things to, to run spring sports than it does to run football seasons and basketball seasons and all the other things that go with that. You know, there was also talk about maybe expanding the rosters to make this happen and letting teams offer more scholarships. But I would think if you're in uh, fundraising, university athletics, with all the things that are going on financially with the economy, this would be a hard time to try and do that, try and raise more money so you can have more scholarships. That seems like a, another potential headache. Yeah, it, it, it is a potential headache. And I don't think economically any of us understand how important uh, you know the NCAA tournament is to college basketball, to programs across the country, not having that. Uh, and and I and I just think that you you kind of you kind of brought closure. You, you it's, closure's been brought. I know there are a lot of people out there still hoping and and that you know th- changes can be made and we can bring back this special team or someone's special team. But there's just as many people that could care less about it. In fact, there's more that could care less about doing it. Uh, who are you know? So it's, it doesn't represent. You know, we're, we're talking maybe thirty or forty really good schools who feel like they have a great opportunity. And then there's another 300 that would just say, hey, uh, it's time to move on. Let's get going. Let's not take resources away from future teams, future programs, future schools. Uh, I I think trying to get a consensus on that. I I know what we read every day and see on social media and hear from a very small group of people. Uh, Yeah, wouldn't we all love to have the NC? I mean, like like you, I mean, for me, the NBA, the NC2A tournament, uh, golf, all of those things are a void in my life, and I miss them dearly. <laughs> and I want them to come back because I get such joy from watching those things. But uh, at, at the end of the day, we got to take care of bigger problems and bigger situations. And uh, But it, is, it does make for wonderful uh, narratives and conversations and the what-ifs. And there are a lot of really positive what-ifs for BYU and Utah State who certainly had the ability to make make runs in the tournament. Yeah, what do you think as far as the players do in this time? Now that we don't have any games uh, for these guys, what would you advise the seniors who want to have a pro career uh, what can they be doing at this time so whenever we get back to that normal, hopefully sooner than later, obviously, that they can be prepared for it? Well, with all the criteria to you know being in groups and social distancing and so forth, there are, there are things that they can do. And, I mean, there's, there's nothing that's stopping them from finding a way to condition themselves. And, and you know, I, I don't know if schools are closed or not allow them into a, you know, into a locker room, into a, a workout room. But certainly there's, this is a time where you, you, every day you've got to be working on your body and getting shots up by yourself in the gym and doing those things. And those, those are going to require some uh, uh, permission to get in and use places because right now a lot of public places are called, closed. 
I mean, all the gyms, and you're not going to use a public facility. So you're doing everything you can to keep yourself in the best condition you can be, eating properly, uh, staying social distancing, staying away from people, and taking this time. I mean, we're all kind of doing that. I mean, all of a sudden, I'm reading a lot more. Uh, you know, I'm having more conversations with my family on the phone and FaceTime. You know, the things that are probably are most important in my life, I'm, I'm, I'm reading good books. I'm doing things that are making me better that I oftentimes don't find near enough time to do when I'm busy watching TV and, or participating or when I was coaching. So there are, there are some good things there. Uh, it's incredible to me to walk around my neighborhood. I don't know how it is in your neighborhoods. And, uh, I mean, there are hundreds of families with dogs and cats and small children and bicycles walking around uh, and, and just kind of connecting with each other. And, and as you go by, saying hello and uh, chat maybe for a moment and keep walking. I mean, those are things that we don't take a lot of time to do unless it's a holiday or, uh, you know, it's, it's in between a game or a, a work assignment. So uh, there, there are, those are some good things. I think the country has come together, and I think, I think our leaders are coming together from the things I've read recently. I think, I mean, everybody's on board with this thing. But if I'm a college athlete and uh, trying to play professionally, I'm doing everything I can to take care of my body, my mind, my game, uh, watching film, uh, and so that I am prepared when that time and day, you, you know, you don't want to all of a sudden, eight weeks from now, they, you know, the NBA comes out and says, hey, we're, we're doing draft stuff workouts and you don't want to be the guy that goes, well, man, I should have done something during that time. Uh, man, you, you need to really, really be getting after it right now. What a great thing to do as well. It keeps your mind occupied and you don't sit around depressed about the fact that you can't go to your favorite restaurant or go to a movie or, you know, go to the beach or whatever it might be. You probably talk to friends in the coaching profession, and I wonder if you're hearing that there's going to be uh, less movement this year than in most years. It seems uh, like it would be a really bad PR move to fire a coach and pay them off, and so that that takes away opportunities for other people to leave a job and move to get a better job. So I wonder if it's going to be really status quo because it would just be a bad look to have big buyouts right now. I. I don't see. I agree with you. I just don't see that happening. I mean, it may be, and maybe there's some really uh, issues with a school or a coaching staff that has done really inappropriate things. You know, with the NC two A, I think that would be probably the only reason someone might lose a job at this point in time. I think everybody's just going to take a deep breath and say, "Hey, let's just give this another year." I know the program's not trending where you want it. And we, we got some issues. We'll work through it. It just doesn't seem to be the most appropriate thing that needs to be happening right now. And once you get into, you know, and we're going to get into the summer on this, once you get into the summer, you know what you need to do is just take care of the people you have and, and the players, the coaches, the support staff, and everybody, and uh, do the best to have the best year you can coming, going forward. But it, it, would, it would just seem really inappropriate, unless there are infractions, and in a really inappropriate things happening that uh, that can't be the biggest thing on people's minds. Uh, you know, I, I think we take care of this and watch out and take care for others and have, have that kind of selfless mindset that, uh, 
it, it would appear very selfish and, and narcissistic in my mind to see an AD president come out here and start firing people uh, and doing those kinds of things in the midst of a really, really difficult time in the world. So I, I completely agree. I don't think there's going to be much change. Hey, I'm just hoping and praying that uh, come next September and October that you're going to have football and you're going to have guys practicing for basketball. And I don't think anyone can clearly say, yeah, we'll be back. Everything will be fine. You know, and, and, and it, it may well. But uh, every I hear a different narrative every day. We've got a chance to watch a lot of TV and be on the computer and hear things. And it, 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 you look at the countries that have kind of got through this, the Asian, China, Japan, some of those countries who really got to it and had the ability to really quarantine people and get people off the streets. Uh, I, I, I'm just thinking about New York City, where, you know, there's 18, 20 million people living on top of each other. You, you can't even you go to the park and can't even go have social distancing because there might be 5 million people in the park. Uh, it's really difficult for those densely populated areas. And, and a lot of people still aren't doing a great job about doing the things they need to do. Um, and I know there's all these conspiracy theories. There's, oh, you know what? You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bite on that right now. I'm just going to do the things I've been asked to do. If you tell me six months from now, oh, you didn't need to do any of that. Okay, fine. That was an experience, but I don't want the alternative. You know, I want my grandkids to be around. I want my children. I want my wife. I want us all to be in good health. I want good friends. And uh, it, it's that's that's what I'm hopeful about that it gets resolved. But uh, I know we all got to talk about something, and it's gotten really creative and <laughs> talk radio and, and television, and it, it, there's been some really filler, good filler things and interesting concepts, but. I don't. I don't think we're out of the woods yet. Out of this thing. I mean, it, there's no guarantee that anything's going to happen next fall unless things get taken care of right now. And I think that's why people that are complaining about not being able to go to the movies and or watch their sports and this and that. And you know what? If you're really serious about wanting that stuff back, then do the things you're supposed to do. Don't be out at night. Don't be in large groups. Don't continue to party. Now you can't even get in California. You can't get into a restaurant. So I don't know how it is in Utah, but, uh, you know, there's pretty significant restrictions here. I wanted to know how you dealt with parents. I'm going to throw a situation at you. As the coaching staff wants a kid to redshirt, parents don't want the kid to redshirt, so they don't redshirt the kid, and the kid doesn't get a lot of playing time and then wants to transfer. How do you deal with that? Well, uh, usually what happens is that when that happens, it's because you haven't taken care of something before that happened. And I think what happens is that we want to let parents and, you know, you, you don't want to lose a player. And so you, you try to be as honest and positive as you can and look at, you know, the future. And here's the role that I think your son or daughter is going to have. This is the position we see them playing. Look where we are. If you you know you, you look at our roster, uh, he's playing. There's two seniors. There's three seniors in, in that position. They've proven themselves. You know we see you fitting in here and doing this. And, and you go through that process typically. And you can usually uh, help parents to understand. Okay, I, I get that. 
or, or a high school coach or an AAU coach, somebody that's involved in their life, uh, and say, this is the reason we brought you here. We, you know, and we, those things should have been, should have been dealt with and addressed when you're during the recruiting process. But what happens sometimes, we get so anxious about getting somebody on campus and getting them here and, and, and don't put the due diligence and the time in to look at your roster and look at long-term recruiting and, you know, depending on the school you're at and what the circumstances are. Just being, but being at BYU, we were constantly having to, to deal with the comings and goings of missionaries and those kinds of things. But typically you don't have a lot of those issues if you took care of it during the recruiting process. But sometimes coaches and people will say things and do things to get them on Cali. We'll make it work. We'll figure it out. When you start having those kind of conversations with your staff, we'll, we'll make it work. We, we just got to get them here. Those almost always end up not working out. And so you get in a situation where you have talked to parents right in the right way and you've been honest and upfront as, as possible as you can because players get better. And that's the thing that happens sometimes that coaches get caught with is that they look at their staff and, and they, they talk about the players and they look at the next three, four, five years and they're, they get surprised sometimes. And a kid develops and gets confidence. And all of a sudden, a guy who was playing is not playing because this guy makes our team better. Those are difficult things. And they do happen all the time where someone's progression is different than another's. Somebody's more committed to the workout, to the, to the, to the weight room, or whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, all of that anticipation of a family and a player and the recruitment of that individual, all the positive things that happen, they get to school and realize, wow, uh, I don't think I'm going to play. So you sit down with them and say, you know, I think this would be a good year to redshirt. Well, that's a little bit of a disappointment because grandma and aunt and uncles and high school coaches all felt like he'd come in and maybe get 15 or 20 minutes. Isn't that what you talked about? So you have to be really careful about the things that you share and say to people because they remember it. And it can come back to haunt you in a few different ways. Not only does it take place with parent problems and with player problems, but then it can creep in and there can be chemistry problems with your team when guys get a little bit clickish and they start talking and all of a sudden you realize, I've lost control of the culture of my program because I didn't take care of business at the very beginning of this recruiting process and be really transparent about here's where we see you. you know, and, and sometimes we can do that and be as honest as we possibly can and it's truly how we feel. And then circumstances change and consequently have to address it. And then, you know, people are in the transfer portal. So I, I just think from the beginning, a lot of these things can be avoided when we are really honest and upfront with parents and coaches and players. And when we do that, we still know that things are going to happen. And the fact is, right now, we live in a world that people want things immediately. And if it's not happening immediately for my son or my daughter, we're going to go try something else. And, and it, it appears that the NC2A, uh, if they haven't already, <clears throat> are going to allow players to leave without consequences. And as soon as you put that into play, um, that makes that's a burden on coaches and programs. Uh, to know what to do. And it can be a good thing when you're – maybe you made a mistake on a kid and you realize, wow, we made a mistake here. Now you can tell the kid, hey, listen, you're not going to play and mean, you know, he, he gets a chance to immediately leave. So 
I think there are good things on both sides. I think it's a, there's a fairness to student-athletes that when someone brings somebody in and then doesn't play them and, and they they had been told everything that this is what was going to happen and it didn't happen, why should they be punished for that? And I think that's what's happening. Uh, sometimes we hoard players and get as many as we can and don't realize that we're gonna, at some point in time we're going to have to manage them, their parents, and their, you know, their grandparents and everybody else. So I think coaches need to be better about that. And, but I think student athletes are protected now from uh, being brought into a program where there's never maybe any intention for them to play, but just to be a backup. It's hard to go recruit a guy and tell him, Hey, you're going to come off the bench and be a support guy for us. So that's why we see the revolving door and we see transfers eight, 900 of them every year uh, to protect student athletes. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it as always. Thanks, guys. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon.